All right. Well, good morning. We're so glad you guys are with us and took some time to spend with us this morning. We know summer's kind of coming to an end, so there's a lot of stuff you could be doing. Uh, it's the State Fair. I love the State Fair. It is the best people watching that has ever been created. Um, I love it. And the reason I love it is because, and I'm not making fun of these people, but it's just sometimes I'm like, all right, we live in the same state, so uh, yeah, there's that. So uh, yeah, so I'm excited. I hope you get some time. We're going this afternoon. I hope you get some time. If the state fair is your thing, if not, you, you don't have to go, but it is awesome. Uh, a couple of things as we get started. We know summer's coming in. We still got lots of people still going to the lake and camping and doing all that stuff, and Labor Day weekend is in two weeks, and so on Labor Day weekend, we realize for a lot of people, that's like the last hurrah for the summer, so we won't be offering one service on, on that week, so instead of having the 10, 1145, we'll just offer a 1030 service. And so if you plan on coming, and we'll make sure we announce that again, but just one service uh, on Labor Day weekend at 1030. So if you come at 10, you know, you're too early. If you guys come, you'll be at the end of the service, which you might like. So there's that. And so uh, that's coming up in a couple weeks. Also, we just dropped a new episode of Divinely Uninspired. It's our podcast. It's a supplement to what happens here. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy that. We have a lot of fun making that, and it, it's a lot of stuff that I would never talk about from the stage, but people ask questions about. Uh, this week, we talked about aliens, and so if you have interest in my thoughts on aliens and Rusty's, um, we talked about it, and we talked a lot about Hallmark, and I never thought I'd talk about Hallmark as much as I did this week, but uh, so it's also something because we talk about a lot of stuff that's going on here at Journey, and so anytime or anywhere podcasts are available, you can do that or is on the app as well, and give us feedback or questions you want to see us talk about especially stuff that I probably am not going to preach sermons about, to be honest with you. So uh, we have a lot of fun doing it. Also, speaking of that, download the app. If you're new, it is the best way to stay connected. We have a lot of new people either watching online, which if you're online, we're glad you're watching today or watching later. Um, the other thing about is on the app, as most of you guys know, we don't talk about money here pretty much ever. Um, and we don't pass plates here. And so a lot of new people are saying, well, how do we give to the church? So the app is the best way to give. You can set up recurring giving. You can give every week. You can also give through the website. Uh, or if you're old school, um, you can't. And, and the reason I'm saying this, too, is um, a couple weeks ago, someone just walked up and handed me money. Don't do that. Please, just, just don't do that. There's already this big like thing with preachers and money. Just don't hand me cash, okay? Uh, if you want to give cash, there's somebody else that can take it, or there's boxes on both of the entrances if you wanted to old school write a check or put cash in there, and the, our treasurer will collect that and take care of all that. But just don't hand me any more cash. But anyway, best way to give is through the app uh, if you would like to do that. So lots of stuff coming up. Fall Fest is coming up. We Fall going into winter is our busy season here. And, and barring everything getting shut down again or anything like that, we are super excited about the fall. And so make sure you stay connected to everything going on. Now, today we are starting a sermon that we're going to talk about for the next four weeks. Um, and so today will be kind of just like an intro to that and kind of getting you kind of jazzed up to where we're going for the next couple weeks. And so today at the end of the sermon, we're going to finish it, but it's really the start of a conversation that we're going to be talking about the next couple weeks. And so uh, today I want to start with something that I think we all have in common and we may not have thought about it very much and we've talked about this before, but this is something that all of us in this room have in common, whether we've realized it or really spent my time thinking about it or not. And this is what we all have in common. We all want to be known for something. Okay. And so here's what I mean by that. Everybody in this room, when other people think about you, there are adjectives you would hope they would describe, use to describe you. You want, when people think about you as an individual, you hope these things come to mind. Now, like I said, you may have spent a lot of time thinking about this, but it's all true. All of us have this image 
of who we want people to think that we are. And so we make choices in our life of what we'll let people know and not know or what we'll allow people into and not allow them into um, based on that kind of image that we hope that they see us as. And so there's all these adjectives that would use to describe us. And so it essentially comes down to this. What do you want to be known for? So in the spirit of transparency, um, and we're not going to ask you to do this because it would be super awkward, but um, I will go ahead and tell you, and this is not going to be all about me, but just because I'm, I'm asking you to ask this question of yourself, so I'll give you some examples based on me. So obviously some of the first ones we're going to say and that I would say is I want to be known as a great husband. I want to be a great father to my kids. Um, I, I want to be known as a great coach. I coach, uh, coach middle school basketball for years. I coach soccer now. Um, we just got into football. I'm probably not going to coach that, but uh, I, I love it. And so I love coaching. I love working with kids. I love working with families. Um, but one of the other things that um, I've talked about this before, but and this is me. And if you know me, you, you know that this is kind of part of, of who I am sometimes, right or wrong. Um, but when I was in middle school, seventh grade, I was at Hebrew Middle School just down the road. And when you go into Hebrew Middle School, I think most middle schools are like this, they have different hallways. And so you have an A hallway and a B hallway. And I don't know if this was true, but the rumor was that the B hallway is the smart kid hallway, right? Okay? And so um, I was in the A hallway, all right? Now, that just ran through me, all right? Because I took education very seriously and still do. And um, I remember sitting there one day, and I'm sitting at lunch talking to this kid, Brent, and a couple kids around my table. And I remember, like, saying this. Like, I, remember, I can't believe I'm in this hallway. Like, I'm in the hallway with all the dumb kids, which is insulting to everybody around me, by the way. And, and so Brent looks at me. He goes, yeah, but you're, like, the smartest kid in our hallway. And my response was, but I'm the smartest kid in the dumb hallway, Brent. Like, this doesn't help the thing. You know, get insulting everybody around me. And so one of the things I, I've always taken seriously is I want to be known as smart and quick-witted and all this stuff. And, and that's kind of vain. I get it, okay? But that's just one of those things. One of the things here at the church, I want to be known as a leader worth following. There's lots of people that are leaders that are not worth following. And, and so I want to be somebody that, that actually lives a life that, that's worth kind of being somebody that you can rally behind and get behind. And, and so those are just a few. I, I can name a whole lot of other things. But all of us have adjectives we want people to use when they describe us. And so what happens, though, is this. When there's a gap between who we want people to think we are and who we actually are, that's where the problem starts, right? And so what we end up doing is we end up kind of sometimes pretending or we, we kind of embellish things a little bit, or sometimes we try to project things that at the end of the day we also know really aren't true about us, but because that's how we want people to see us. So the question is, when it comes to you, what do you want to be known for? What are the adjectives? And I think, again, part of the problem is this, is that sometimes we mislead people and to who we actually are, and so we end up doing a lot of image management, right? And so we end up focusing a lot of time, which can be exhausting, trying to portray a certain image. The other problem with this is if we try to pretend to be somebody that we're really not, it makes us an imaginary person because we're not really that person. We're just, that is what we want people to think about us. And that can be exhausting again. The other part about being imaginary and portraying something that actually isn't true of you um, is it makes you not authentic. And one of the things that I've strived for in my life is to try to be an authentic person, which means this. And 
um, the gap between who people think I am and the gap of, uh, and who I actually am, I try to make it as small as possible. Okay, and so for anybody that's wondering, especially if you know me as a friend, um, what you see from the stage and the stupid things I say sometimes, I say those in real life too, okay? I don't filter myself all of the time. I try to be who I am. I, I don't like pretending. I try to be as authentic as I possibly can for better or for worse. And, and this is true because anybody that leads anything or is a part of this, and I understand this, and this is not all about me, but just give me, let me give you this example, as a pastor or a minister or just Jeremy, whatever you want to call me, here, here's what I know. When I get up and speak every week and, and talk about the things that we talk about, okay, I know that most of you hope that I live up to the image of what you think that I am, okay? And because of that, we have to make the gap as small as possible, okay? And I hope that that same idea applies to you. That when people see you, that the gap is really small and you don't feel the pressure to pretend to be somebody that you're not, that you can actually say, this is who I am and I try to live my life by those things. Now, there are discrepancies and there's gaps. There's always going to be gaps. And so what that does often is it causes us to pretend or to try to embellish things. And here's what I want to say, and this is why I say all that, is because I believe the church should be the place where you can be the most authentic, that you can actually be who you are and you don't have to pretend, you don't have to do a lot of image management, right? It should be right here. But here's what I also know about the church based on the fact when we were little kids, if you grew up in the church or even if you're new to the church, when you come into the church, there is this pressure to pretend, right? For example, everybody in here right now is on your best behavior, right? You are. And, and you've told your kids to be on their best behavior, right? And, and listen, some of you right now, you, you couples, you look happy, right? Some of you, you're sitting close to each other, even if you don't want to be, you know, like all this stuff. And, and here's what I also know. Some of us in this room, not everybody, but some of us, and you'll relate to this, because even if it wasn't this week, there's been other weeks, um, you yelled at each other the entire way here, right? Because something happened this morning that started an argument between you two, and you have yelled at each other. You pull in that gravel parking lot, the doors shut, the yelling stops, the smiles come on, and you're just going to pretend for the next, I don't know, 45 minutes that everything's great, even when it's not. And some of you, here's what I know, because this happened to me as a kid, you threatened your kids so much that they are going to be good because this is church. You don't do this anywhere else, but at church, you threaten them that they're going to be on their best behavior. They saw the Kona ice truck, which is Kona ice today, and you say, you will not get any of that, if, you know, this type of thing. Now, that's all true, but here's the thing. It's true on so many different levels because when it comes to church, and I don't, I don't think we should be like wild and unruly in here. Don't get me wrong, but, but this should be the place where we can be the most authentic. And this should be the place where we don't fear that if people really knew what we were like, they wouldn't like us. But that's what some of us walk in here with, right? We walk in here with this pressure that we have this thing. See, I have to project an image in lots of other places, but specifically here, because if people really knew what I was like, I'm not sure they would like me. Or when it comes to church, the bigger pressure is, I'm not sure if they knew what I was like last night or what I did last night, they would accept me. And here's what I want to say when it comes to that idea. Listen, if people don't know what you're really like, they don't really like you. It's also impossible to love someone that's not authentic because I don't know who you are. 
I can't love you. All I can love is the image or the Instagram filtered image or that type of thing. And so it's actually possible that nobody really likes you because nobody really knows you. And you've created this safe little bubble around you to where nobody's ever going to get to know you. And until we can embrace who we really are, okay, we can't get where we need to be. And until we face up to the reality of our life and our marriage and our family and all of these things, it's almost impossible to get to where you hope that you end up as. And so what we want to do is we want to create environments where we can build relationships, where we can drop all the pretense, we can get rid of the idea that you're fearful of being judged or that you can come in here without fear of being rejected. Because here's what I do know. It's really powerful when you're actually known. When you are known. What we want to do is kind of create an environment and create environments where we find circles of people that we can sit down with. And at the end of the day, we know that they have our best interest in mind and you have their best interest in mind. Now, the places I've already said that I believe that was created for this that should be the most opportunistic place to be transparent and to be who you are, the place where you should be known and not fearful that if you are known, people would reject you. The place that was actually designed most for that is the church. Now, based on your previous experiences in church, I realized that many of you, that was not your experience. And in fact, maybe you felt the pressure more than anywhere else to pretend or not to be authentic because you were worried about what people would think about you or say about you. Now, we're going to look at some verses today that kind of put this aside and where we're going to build off of for the next couple of weeks. And I'm going to start with this letter that was written by this guy named James. He was an early leader in the church. And in the book of James, here's what he says. He says this. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So this is a command to the church. So here's what we're going to do right now, okay? You're going to turn to the person next to you, and you're going to confess your deepest, darkest sin. And my suggestion is you don't go first, all right? So go ahead and just take a second and do that, right? Now, obviously, nobody's going to do that. But here is this idea that comes out of the scriptures. Now, why do you think that James would say this? I think part of it is, is that his hope for the church would be an environment where we feel so comfortable. And here's the thing. Listen, I'm not going to confess my sins to you. There are some people I may actually do this to, but I'm not going to do that until I know that you care about me, that you have my best interest in mind, and that you're not going to go and tell everybody what I just said. The other thing that's important about this is this, when it comes to confessing our sins, and we're going to hit on this a little bit harder here in a second, is, see, many times in life, You need someone walking beside you to get through the hard things in life. The Bible teaches that it is not simply enough just to confess to God. Now, I think you should do this. I think you should pray about this stuff. I think you should do all of those things. But here's the thing. Sometimes you need a flesh and blood person walking beside you in that thing. And here's why I know that. Because, see, some of us in this room, we have sins that have been a part of our life our entire life. And we keep praying. In fact, like, you ever made a deal with God? Like, dear God, if you help me not get caught in this thing, I will never do it again. You ever done that one, right? Am I the only one? Okay. 
And then what happens is a week passes by and you're like, okay, God, about that last prayer. So, you know, but sometimes you need people to know what's going on so they can help you. But you're not going to do that in an environment you don't feel comfortable in, right? I get it. And the other thing is this is sometimes we don't want to be known because we are fearful that if people knew what was really going on, that they would reject us and they would set us away. And, and here's the problem is when nobody knows what's going on, there's nobody there that can help you fix your marriage. There's nobody there that can help you create authentic friendships. See, some of us in this room, what's so sad to me about church is this, and I'm being genuine when I say this. Um, I know what it's like to be in a room full of people and feel completely alone, right? And what we want to do is work against that and fight against that. See, there is extraordinary power in being known, and we want to create that type of environment, right? And I get it. It would be weird for, for the things for us to just sit around and confess our sins to each other and all of that things. That would be weird. I get it. But see, here's the things. There are things the church should be doing that are impossible in rows. And I love rows. Listen, I, I make my living off of rows. I think rows are great. I love this room full of people, both services. I, I think it's amazing. But there are just some things that aren't going to happen in this environment, there's this other verse that comes out of Hebrews chapter 10, and it says this. It said, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Now, I love this verse for a couple of reasons. Um, here's what I know about us culturally. Most of us in this room, and let's just be honest because it's me as well. My first thought when I hear things often is not to spur one on, another on in good deeds, right? My first response is to be critical. My first response is to condemn it. My first response is to judge people for what they said or what they're doing. And what the writer of Hebrews is telling us is as a church, as people, we should consider this, how we actually spur one another on towards loving good deeds. We're going to talk about words here in this next series we're going to do. But, but here's the thing. Um, when it comes to being a Christian, we should be encouraging each other in life. Okay? And, and, and the only way I'm going to be able to encourage you is if I actually know what's going on. And in this environment, okay, I can say, hey, guys, you guys can do it. You're all awesome. Good job, okay? But it's almost impossible for you to actually feel the authenticity there because I'm saying it to everybody. I don't know what's going on in your situation right now, some of you. But we want to create environments, again, where you can have people built into your life that can do this. Then it says this, verse 25. Not giving up on meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Again, it's this idea of this environment of, of first of all, um, this isn't like a you and God thing. See, some of us, that's how we treat faith. It's just me and God, I don't need other people. Well, the problem with that is there's nowhere in the Bible that even encourages that type of idea. And part of that is because we do need people. We need to have people in our life that can encourage us, that can walk beside of us. This idea of not giving up meeting together is this idea that we need to build this into our life. The idea that we need to have environments where we can meet with groups of people. We can have people in our life. That, listen, life is hard. We talked about this last week. There's not a person in this phone call room right now that can get a phone call that would just shatter your world. It's true. Life is hard. Faith can be hard. There was this article that came out about a year ago, or actually two years ago, and I saved it. I love it. It's, but it's sad. It said this, 25% of Americans feel like they don't have someone they can confide in or trust. This is in the New York Times. So it's a secular uh, kind of thing. But 25% of Americans, which means one in four people in this room, statistically, don't feel like they have anybody in their life they can confide in 
or trust. Now, what's fascinating is they took it a step further. And they said, okay, now, now, okay, so only one in four. But if you eliminate close family members like a mother, father, brother, or sister, which you should go to those people. I'm not saying you shouldn't. But if you take away the immediate family situation, 65% of people surveyed don't know if they have someone they could confide in or trust. That same article came out and said this based on the survey that they'd done. 50% of people don't know who they would turn to in an emergency situation. Life is hard and there's going to be lots of stuff come up and you need people in your life that you know that you can confide in and trust. And listen, if something happens that you can call these people and they will be a part of your life. There's another verse in Galatians chapter 6. It says this. It says, Galatians chapter 6, okay, carry each other's burdens, and in this you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, so here's what I know about everybody in this room. Okay, let's just stop pretending. Everybody in this room has some type of burden in their life. Many of us have multiple burdens in our life, okay? If you don't know what a burden is, a burden is a hardship. It's something that's hard on your life. It's something you're having to carry, okay? The imagery literally in the Greek is it's something that you're having to carry on your back. All of us have burdens in our life. And if you don't, just wait. It's coming. And here's the thing. We were not meant to carry these things by ourselves. But here's what I also know. I can't help you carry your burden if I don't know what your burden is. But I'm also not stupid, which means I know you're not going to tell me what your burden is until you can trust me. So it's really important to do this because you are not meant to live life by yourself. There are things in life that some of us in this room are carrying that you were not meant to carry, and you definitely weren't meant to carry it by yourself. So the role of the church is to be an environment where people can come in and share these things, where you can create environments where people know that they're accepted just as Christ accepted us. And I love that language. It says, and in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ, which is simply the idea that if you want to know what Christ wants of your life, he wants you to be the type of person that can help you carry other people's burdens. It's this thing we build into our life. But, But here's the sad part, right? And again, I love rows. Rows are great. But here's the thing. We all have hardships in our life that we need people. And the church was supposed to be the place that was designed for this to happen. But it's also the place where we feel the most pressure not to allow this to be part of the conversation. And because of that, that's why I need and you need and we all need a therapist, right? Okay, we need something more. Probably need therapy too. But that's why we all need in this room, whether you realize it and whether you fight against it or not, that's why everybody in this room needs circles in their life. When it comes to faith and working through the hard things in life, circles always trump rows. That's why for 15 years of my life, I've been committed to making sure I have some type of circle in my life, groups of people, groups of men, groups of of guys or, or ladies that are in my life, a handful of people that are willing to pray with me, encourage me, help me, love and accept me, even when I'm flawed, and be my friend. I think one of the things you're going to hear us talk about is we often downplay the discipleship of friendship. We talk about all these other things that come to being a disciple to Jesus, and it's like all this great stuff. I, I, I get it. But one of the things that's fascinating to me is in John chapter 13, when Jesus is about to leave, he's about to be arrested and then, and then crucified, and he's going to go back to the Father. He looks at the disciples, 
And he says this. He says, now I call you my friends. It's this idea that, that Jesus knew the importance of friendship. He knew the importance of having people in your life that you feel like you could call your friends, people that you could do life with, and you knew they had your back and you had their backs. And I'm not saying that you all don't have that, because a lot of people in this room, we have friends. I get it. But do you have friends that know what's really going on? Or are you only friends through image management? Are you only friends through this idea of what you've portrayed? I remember years ago, uh, we were in a, our first small group really experience that, that we'd had. It was at a church I was working at. And in fact, the people that led this group still come to our church, and they're actually in this room. But I remember a, a night where uh, we separated, and it was girls went one way and guys went one way. And we, we did that for that night. It wasn't like the 1800s, right? Okay, so we just separated that night. And there was a guy in our group that was just really going through a lot of hard stuff. And so we're just like sitting around chit-chatting. Because, you, you know, like you don't know how much you should share. Because it's like once that line's been crossed, you're like, all right, well, that's out there. And so this guy shares some really hard stuff. I mean, it was some pretty messed up stuff in his life. And you could almost, in, in my opinion, sense that he expected the rejection to come. Because that's what happens in life. You tell people these really messed up things. And I remember one of the guys in the, the room was like, hey, you know, I, I, I mean, that's not that stuff. But, man, I got this stuff going on. And me too. I get it. And the next guy was like, yeah, me too. I've got some really messed up stuff going on. And, and all of a sudden, it became this environment where it, it wasn't, listen, it wasn't rejection. It was this environment of, hey, we all got really hard stuff. And it goes from that feeling of realizing that you're carrying that to you're not alone. And that's what a lot of people need to know is that they're just not alone, that they're loved and accepted and this person loves me too much not to leave me that way. And so they're going to walk through this stuff with me. All right. And this is what the church is supposed to be about because this is what Jesus was all about. I mean, the, the idea that Jesus, and that's the gospel, that God so loved the world, he stepped into the story. He didn't write a note. He didn't leave a letter. You know, that time. he actually stepped into the story. And then he calls us, his body, that are continued, you're supposed to continue that idea. And so circles are better than rows. And we're going to talk about all kinds of different circle environments, because I get it. You guys are busy, and you don't have time for anything else in your life. I understand, okay? One of the things we're going to talk about is just the simple idea of, of serving together, whether it's a journey here on Sundays or in other environments that we create. See, here's what I know. Serving with someone is one of the best ways to connect to them. Doing something, setting aside your time and your agenda and doing something for other people, it's a great way to get to know people. We do projects where we build things. Guys, I can't, I can't build stuff that comes with instructions. I definitely can't build something on my own, but I go to these things and I'm the runner. I take my truck and I go get food and water and just spend time with people because it's a great way to get to know people when you're serving together. There's opportunities here, whether it's students, kids, worship, first impression, security, all kinds of little circles we create where you serve together with people, but you also get to know people. Some of my greatest friendships have come out of opportunities to serve with other people, right? And we're going to talk more about that. The other thing we're going to do is we have men's groups and women's groups. We have the Forge, which is our giant men's group, and Fountain and Flourish, which is our women's group. And there's all kinds of stuff we're planning for those as well. We also have just groups that people just create. There's a group of guys I get with almost every other Thursday or, or once a month, and we go to Cluckers, and we just sit around, and we shut the place down. They're like kicking us out, right? And it's just a group of guys that we just get together and we spend time with. And you know what happens? There's no agenda. 
It's just that, you know, it's something happened and somebody's like, hey, can you pray for me about this? Or this is going on or this is going on in our life. And we just sit and we talk and we hang out and we have fun together and we share life together. But everybody that goes there knows in a minute that if there's something they need to share or help with, they have a group of guys that are willing to go through that with them. We're starting this new ministry here, and it's our small group ministry. And we've had small groups in different stages over the years, but we're focusing on it right now. And we're not just going to say it from the stage. We're actually focusing part of our budget on it. In fact, we hired somebody recently that part of one of the main parts of their jobs is to make sure that every single person, either online or in this room, feels connected through different group environments. And they're calling PACS. And there's no acronym for it yet, but it's coming because we went to Bible college, all right? And so, um, so we're calling it PACS, right? But this is groups for all different ages and different groups. And it's not an every week thing. It's a once a month or once every other week. And there's going to be semesters where it's four or five times. And, but it's just a way to get people connected, to have a group of people that you can set and talk with. And if it goes well, you just keep meeting. If it doesn't go well and it doesn't sometimes, great. You gave it a shot. We'll put you in a new group when you're ready, okay? You don't have to teach anything, anything like that. It's just this idea of getting together and having a group of people you can pray with and encourage and help each other, right? One of my favorite things that, that, to do is eat. I love to eat, and I love to eat meals with people. I love to go out. And I read this article not too long ago, and it said this. It was this idea. It said this. It said, you know, if you're a stranger... If you just come up to my house and I'm not expecting you, I'm not rude. So I'll talk to you on my front porch or I'll talk to you on my deck and we'll talk for a few minutes. And if you're a guest I don't know very well, then you might get invited to sit on my couch in my living room. But if I consider you a friend, I'm going to invite you in the kitchen. We're going to sit down we're going to make some food. We're going to share a meal together. And we want to create environments where you feel comfortable and people feel comfortable saying, hey, come on in the kitchen. Let's spend some time together. And Rusty and April will be out the lobby because we need people to lead these groups. And next week through the app, you'll be able to sign up for these different types of groups. And, and here's why this is so important to us. We all have things we want to be known for. But what do you want to really be known for? And can you be known for something if it's pretend or if it's just image management? Or if there's all this deep, dark stuff inside of you and nobody knows about it, nobody's there to pray with you or encourage you or help you. And here's the thing. I know nobody in this room. I don't. We, we were playing football and soccer and cheerleading right now, and it was the stupidest thing we ever decided to do all at the same time. We don't have time for it. The image me, the, 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 that, I don't have time for it. But the real me and the me I want to be is dying for it. So we need to create these environments where people have friendships and people they can connect with. And maybe it's you already have a group of friends that already get together all the time, and you're just intentional about making that a time where you encourage each other. And it's going to be weird, I get it, to go to your friends, you've never done this before, and say, hey, do you need to pray for anything? You know, it's so weird, but it's also really, really healthy. So here's the thing. We want to be known. I get it. But the question is, are you known by anyone? I understand this culture says protect your image and do whatever it takes. But here's the thing, and I say this all the time. Whatever it's been to this point in your life, it doesn't always have to be. It can change. Life is hard, and all we want to do is help. And when it comes to the hard things in life, who doesn't want someone praying for them, encouraging them, helping them, loving and accepting them, and feeding them, right? Who doesn't want that? Because someone actually knows them. Listen, I want that for me, and I want that for you. 
I've been doing this for 19 years, all right, 19 years in ministry, and I am convinced now more than ever that the best way that we can follow Jesus is together. Let's pray.